Good morning, friends. Good to be with you. It's good to worship God together on this beautiful uh, summer morning. Uh, it's it's a wonderful day to, to uh, baptize children and welcome new members into our church family. Uh, today we are also continuing our, our summer series called to where we're talking about how the ways God calls us to participate in what God's up to in the world and that God calls us just as we are. Our our faults, our brokenness, and all to participate in the wonderful things God is up to in our world. Uh, and today we come to a very familiar passage in this series, the Good Samaritan Parable. This parable only occurs in Luke's gospel, and I realized this week that while I've taught on this parable a number of times, this is actually the first time I've written a sermon on the text, so I'm pretty excited and was frankly a little surprised by that. Uh, but it's, it's a wonderful text for this series that uh, talks about what it means to be a follower of Christ and how we are called to participate in Christ's mission of love and mercy at work in the world. Friends, I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 10th chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 25th verse. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have gotten the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road. When he saw him, he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, tra while traveling, came near him. When he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. So which of these three do you think was a, neighbor to who, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He, the lawyer, said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to them, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As a child of the 80s and 90s, it should be of no surprise to you that I grew up watching the Karate Kid films. Like many, it inspired me to even try my own hand at it, even though very poorly. But needless to say, a few years ago, I was so excited that the franchise of the films was coming back in the form of a show entitled Cobra Kai the name of the dojo for Johnny Lawrence and the bitter rivals of Daniel LaRusso and Miyagi-Do Karate. The show catches up with Johnny and Daniel decades later as parents of teenagers 
who are learning karate and the dueling teachings of Cobra Kai and Miyagi-Do as they crash head-on again. The ethos of Miyagi-Do is similar to what most people learned when taking karate, that it's all about self-defense and personal discipline. It's a way of balancing the competing forces at work in the world. Cobra Kai, on the other hand, com committed to this mantra of strike first, strike hard, no mercy. The show does a fantastic job, I think, of showing Johnny's ethical struggle with this mantra. A mantra that helped him very much in his life, but also as, as an adult seeing the problems that it, it causes out in the world. And he, he seeks to find another way of living and being. But friends, it's that last part of the motto, no mercy, which came to mind this week as I wrestled with this beloved text of the Good Samaritan. The no mercy mantra of Cobra Kai comes to mind because while many of us would be reluctant to admit it, this is the way of our dog-eat-dog -dog world and the way it so often works. We look out for ourselves alone that our success means another's failure, or worse yet, another's suffering. But friends, it is to just this kind of merciless world then and now, that Jesus speaks this well-known parable that rings true no matter what period of human history we're thinking about. Now, Jesus and his disciples are on the go here at this point in the gospel. They're heading towards Jerusalem. In the previous chapter, so just a few sentences ago, they go through a Samaritan town, but Luke is careful to show that the Samaritans did not welcome Jesus there. This wouldn't have been much of a surprise to Luke's original audience. The Jews and Samaritans didn't like each other. They were, in fact, spiritual rivals as they disagreed on the proper place of worship. But this cultural clash comes back with a vengeance in the next chapter of the Gospel, as Jesus tells a parable about a Samaritan showing mercy to a stranger in need. A lawyer, really uh, someone who studies the Bible, a Torah scholar, stands up to challenge Jesus, saying, how does one inherit eternal life? Jesus, sensing the lawyer was trying to test him, says, what does the law say? You're the lawyer, after all. The man replies, to love God with everything you have and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus commends the man, but the guy still has this need to test him. He gives the follow-up question. So who is my neighbor? To Jesus, such a question begs a story, a parable. So he tells them that a man is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and is robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. Three men encounter this guy struggling for life on the side of the road. The priest and Levite see him, maybe even wish him well and pass by on the other side. Now, this is a very intentional move by Jesus in telling this parable. Priests and Levites were among the most highly respected folks in the community. The kind of people you'd expect to drop everything to help this guy. After all, both had particular roles in the worship life of the community and uh, participated in the temple. Problem is they don't. They pass right by him and leave him still lying on the other side of the road. 
For generations, friends, the church has tried to explain this over and over again to give some sort of redeeming justification for the priest and Levite, for their apparent lack of concern and mercy for a man in need. Some retellings of the story have the priest and Levi feeling bad for the man, or even saying prayers for him as they pass him by. Some have tried to justify them, saying the priest and Levite were passing by the man on their way to the temple, and thus were unable to help him because that would defile them before entering God's house. Friends, you can see for yourselves in the text that Jesus provides no such justification. And I think they're complete baloney, to be honest. I think we try so hard to justify the priest and Levite, either because it's so shocking that they wouldn't help this man in need, or perhaps if we're even more honest with ourselves, we might even see a bit of ourselves in the action of the priest and the Levite. We see neighbors in need every day, whether it's in our communities or on our uh, news on television. So often we feel dwarfed by the excessive needs in our own neighborhood as well as those around the world. Yet Jesus gives us an example of someone who finds a way to extend a helping hand to the man on the side of the road. And it's the least likely candidate in the eyes of Jesus' audience. It's a Samaritan. While their worship practices may have differed, their commitment to Torah and its ethical imperative to help a neighbor in need is one and the same. And this guy, you can see, goes above and beyond. He mends the man's wounds, takes him to an inn, pays an innkeeper for the injured man's stay, and tells him to keep the tab running so he can pay his whatever is needed to help this man. Jesus then asks the lawyer and those gathered which of the three was a neighbor, the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan. The question is so easy and straightforward, but the lawyer, did you notice, couldn't even bear to say the Samaritan. So he simply says, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus commends the answer and says, go and do likewise. There you have it, friends. We are called to be good neighbors. To be a good neighbor is to show mercy to those we encounter. Regardless of anything, anything we think might make us different from them, Jesus calls us to show mercy to each other. We cannot live by the Cobra Kai, no mercy mindset. No matter how much our world is set to this tune, even if it puts us at a disadvantage, we as Christ followers live the way of showing mercy to anyone we encounter, with everyone we encounter, no exceptions. The Good Samaritan story, friends, is certainly an extreme but necessary example of this kind of mercy showing at work in the world. You know, one doesn't need to encounter such a dire need of a neighbor in order to find ways to extend to show mercy with those we encounter in our daily lives. This kind of mercy extending neighborliness disrupts and tears apart the various kinds of walls and boundaries that separate us from one another in the community. If a Samaritan can extend mercy to a Jewish man in need, then surely, friends, we can find ways to extend mercy to our neighbors whose backgrounds, whose cultures, whose stories and beliefs are different from our own. 
I know this is a tall order. It's a tall order in the world in which we live that seems dead set on dividing us in every possible way, on every issue, in every event. Yet the God we know in Christ is stubbornly persistent in seeking to bring us all together, to show mercy and love even and especially to those with whom we disagree. This week, I saw a beautiful example of this kind of mercy showing across the dividing lines of our culture and world. In Roanoke, Virginia, a number of leaders, uh, leaders uh, in the civic, educational, nonprofit, business, and even religious world, uh, including a pastor mentor of mine, got together across these varying areas of community life to form what's called the Roanoke Collaboration Project. These leaders have varying beliefs and perspectives on every divisive issue you can think of in the community, but the one thing that they all share is a belief that civic discourse in the public square is under assault due to toxic divisiveness. And so they write an op-ed to the Roanoke Times this week, which called for community members to take what they call the collaboration pledge. I'd like to read this pledge to you, friends, because I think they are good words to guide us in 2022, what it looks like to show mercy to our neighbors in our everyday encounters and in how we, we handle and, and carry ourselves in the public square. Hear these words. I believe a commitment to civil discourse will make us a better community. Therefore, I commit to the following. I will treat others with respect in my public discourse, both in person and online, and will not hide behind anonymity. I will recognize that people are more than their points of view and have feelings just as I do. I will seek to understand those with different points of view before asking to be understood. Finally, I will not allow uncivil behavior from others to lead me to respond in kind. Friends, God in Christ calls us to show mercy to our neighbors, to everyone we encounter, regardless of anything society tells us makes us different. We are called to show this kind of transformational mercy. The Roanoke Collaboration Project is just one of the endless ways in which we can step out for one another in love and mercy in our neighborhood. Whether it's by dropping everything to help a neighbor in need on the side of the road, or seeking to listen to and love your neighbor for exactly who they are and who God made them to be, we can and we are called, friends, to show mercy to those we encounter along our life's journey. May we seek to do so, friends, knowing full well that we will all fall short. Because as the Good Samaritan shows us, just a little bit of kindness, just a little bit of mercy, can be enough to change the world. It can be enough to transform the world that we know into one that is just a little bit more loving, just a little bit more accepting, just a little bit more merciful. Friends, may it be so. Amen.